All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Botnets. Not all users can tell. In the context of elections. Voters who are being targeted are genuinely trying to make up their minds. Psychometrics. We can categorize people, segment them according to how they're likely to behave. Your information environment. They run those algorithms to try to understand your dreams and your fears. What does it mean? Note to self. When governments start pulling the strings of power with algorithms and bots, we all become political puppets. And we all, including you, Mr. President, need to learn how to spot the disinformation faster. I'm Anoush Zamarodi, your guide to this accelerating world. It's all kind of confusing. On the surface, Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump are getting along swimmingly. After their recent get-together last week, the U.S. president even said he believes Putin means it when the Russian president insists he did not interfere with the American election last year. That statement got the former director of the CIA, John Brennan, pretty upset. Here's Brennan on CNN. The Russian threat to our democracy and our democratic foundations is real. It's real because of the power of all the fake stuff online. Stuff with roots in Russia, like pretend social media accounts posting inflammatory nonsense. Last week, information warfare expert Molly McHugh talked us through some old-school spy terms that have new meaning in our post-Cold War world. At the core of all of them is kind of the concept of subversion. Today, a couple more terms that might be even more relevant— Propaganda tools that have gotten digital upgrades with artificial intelligence and deep learning. Super hardcore technical advances that have made possible all kinds of new political strategies. Let's start with botnets. You may have heard the word, but let's get into how they spread false news like wildfire. The word botnet comes from robot network. Botnets clearly helped to create these echo chambers that were amplifying disinformation and misinformation. In particular, in the U.S. election, things that were coming from uh, Russian state media and Russian intelligence. And there was a question whether or not the like Breitbart News or Infowars, these far-right news sites, were working with Russian botnets, right? Correct. There is a question of this, but there's some specific stories you can look at. This ridiculous story about Seth Rich, who was a young Democratic activist who was murdered in probably a failed mugging in Northeast D.C. And this became this 
crazed internet conspiracy theory about how he was the one who had hacked the DNC stuff or was providing information to the FBI about Clinton's servers or whatever. And so the Clintons had him killed, and this is proof that they're the worst people in the universe. And, I mean, the story is completely insane, but it gained enormous purchase starting in sort of weird far-right websites, some of which were not based in the United States, then sort of being completely amplified by Russian botnets back into the United States. And then, of course, now you can see this stuff on Fox News if you really want to do so. And that is really troubling, but it's how you make totally insane conspiracy theory seem like reality people don't really know what they're looking at most of the time. Yeah, how can we spot a botnet? Well, that's that's difficult. I think, you know, when there's Joe Sixpack, look at my eagles and American flags, there's like these specific identifiers that fake profiles created by the Russians yeah. will use. But um, they've gotten very sophisticated. And in some cases, the AI bots, so the artificial intelligence bots, get smarter, they get more sophisticated. People think that they're people when they're interacting with them. and So they're um, bots responding to you. Uh, like if yeah, I absolutely. tweeted at someone and was like, you know, that seems a little harsh, they might tweet back at me. But it might to not be a real person. That, yeah, absolutely. And to the extent that when various social media platforms were trying to shut down some of these things and asking for the verification of identity on some of these Facebook and Twitter accounts, the people responsible for them were providing fraudulent documents trying to keep these accounts open because they had spent months and years cultivating the, the AI personalities that were behind them. And that is terrifying oh if they you think about it. felt real to them, basically. Yeah. And if you sit down and talk to a bunch of these nerds, they'll sort of in nerd speak will start saying how cool these AI things are. And yeah, we're setting up these other AIs to sort of fight these AIs. And it just the whole thing is very troubling because in the middle of that are people and our information space is being polluted by all of this stuff. And I think this is the thing that made me the most upset after the election. Right after the vote, everybody was sort of, oh, God, how did Trump win? Everybody thought Clinton would win. How did this happen? And then you had these sort of deconstructions of Americans being dumb about media. And I think social media in particular has allowed us to curate the version of reality and news that we consume and see in ways that is not particularly healthy. But underneath all of that is the fact that campaigns and Russian intelligence and advertisers and everybody else uh, are using online profiling and targeting to change the information that is put in front of us in very specific ways. So the idea that we as consumers are at fault for only seeing certain stories and being coerced by information in specific ways is not true. Could it also be like, is it inaccurate information? But that's a worry, obviously. But could it also truly be dangerous? Like, could a botnet start pretending to be like, I don't know, the Defense Department and start tweeting out messages that like we're about to go to war or something like that and spread not just ideas, but like specific information that would make people panic? Or I, I, could it do that sort of thing too? Sure, absolutely. I mean, the the good example in the U.S. was this story about this fake chemical plant explosion a few years ago, a story well, that sort yeah. of came out on, on social media and Facebook that some big chemical plant had melted down and there were toxic clouds of gas drifting over this county or whatever, none of which had ever happened. But it was a very specific kind of information attack that was designed to elicit an actual physical response. And that did come from the Russians because they're using this... It did this come from the Russians? Absolutely. You know that? Absolutely. And, um, you know, we're now thinking about what the Russians are doing outside of their borders as, okay, we get it now. 
it's information, it's disinformation, it's news, it's hacking. Okay, we got it. Um, and you see the Europeans in particular feeling fairly triumphalist about this because um, other than Brexit, their elections have not been affected yes. to the same degree. And this is really a mistake because um, Russian intelligence is not just uh, working in the information space. Um, for example, across Eastern Europe, you've seen them building relationships and sort of identifying people that might be willing to help them through a variety of means like militia groups and gun mm-hmm. clubs and knife fighting clubs, things where the sort of traditional Russian toughness has been a, a good access point. And sometimes it's as simple as providing free ammo for guys who want to go shoot a lot on the weekend. But they sort of use this as a means to gain access. But it's again, it's not just that. It's, um, you know, what we think of as Russian soft power, art galleries and cultural events where they also use this as a way to identify people who might be helpful to them. And so the idea that Russia is just playing in information is incorrect. They are using information to, in many cases, prepare for and move forward with specific physical actions. None of those are ever nice. It's never asking everybody to go out and hug a puppy. You know, it's it's always about violence and radicalization and unrest. Hmm. Okay, after the break, we're going to look for idiots. The useful kind. Stick with us. We're back. I'm Manoush Samarodi. It's Note to Self. And yes, we all know our data trail is used by marketers trying to get us to buy shoes, get vacations, or maybe even buy in on an entire worldview. Marketing has always meant playing people's emotions. But now politicians can play on our hopes, our fears, and our dreams, too, thanks to the emerging science of psychometrics which is also our final word with information warfare expert, Molly McHugh. This became a thing kind of in the 80s. There was sort of this thing called Ocean, which was the five key human personality traits. Openness, you know, are you open to new experiences? Conscientiousness, are you a perfectionist or not? Extroversion, are you sociable? agreeableness, are you considerate and cooperative with others, and then neuroticism, which is, are you easily upset? These were supposed to be the five categories of human personality traits that if you could gauge and define them about a person, you could then predict sort of everything else about them. So this was kind of the base of psychometrics back before the internet and back before data, but no one could ever really prove it or do anything useful with it because yeah, like the how data would collection you measure that it worked like oh i sent this woman an email that made her feel more neurotic but like could you measure well, but that so before the internet it was basically this nice theory and they did lots of you know personality quizzes and tests on paper with subjects but collecting the data was really hard and i think that guys who were sort of enamored of this idea once facebook existed realized there was a new tool to do this and when we're talking about data collection and data harvesting It's basically the profiling of people via thousands of data points. And sometimes it is for selling shoes and sometimes it's for other things. Uh, You might like this car. You might like some solar panels on your house. 
And maybe it does put the chair that you really want right in front of you in a way that is sometimes very eerie when you're shopping online, but it can also be used for a number of other things. And I think the category that people have been paying attention to the most in terms of political influence is kind of what we call dark posts. Mm. Uh, So someone has determined you've never liked, read, posted anything from Hillary Clinton. That means you might be susceptible to a Trumpian message, let's Mm -hmm. say. So everybody on this side is going to get this, but the other people won't even know it exists. And sometimes that's not a positive, affirmative message. It's making you hate something, making you believe America is weaker or darker or, you know, broken in some way. There was these ads they were running sort of calling Hillary Clinton a racist. I didn't see any of those ads because I'm not (laughs) Mm African-American, but they did. And it makes it easier for people not to believe that any of this was occurring, that there were sort of these massive voter suppression operations, because if you weren't meant to be susceptible to it, you just never saw it. So how do you, as someone who is studying information warfare, how do you study it? Um, It requires looking at how information moves on the Internet Mm. and understanding what it is trying to achieve so you can, in the future, try to prevent those cycles from starting. But... The Russians are very sophisticated about how they promote these ideas. They don't care if you embrace the whole package. They don't care if you're going to put on an I Love Putin t-shirt and go on a march. They just want you to embrace some core of what they're trying to promote. And the core of that in the U.S. tends to be America is weak. It is broken. It is a failing country. You should question what you know about your government and your leadership. Um, None of it is working for you. You know, everything it does in the world is bad. Russia's not so bad in comparison. Okay, I want to throw a bonus word at you. Useful idiot. I love this phrase so much. (laughs) And I'm trying to be sort of predictive here in thinking that we're going to be hearing this phrase more often. What does it mean? And do you agree with me? Yes. You know, I think useful idiot is important to understand because of what's on the other side of it. I'm not avoiding the answering your question, but we've seen this a lot in some of these more recent stories. You know, who is this guy talking to? Who is this person? How do we know this person is really a Kremlin agent one way or the other? And so on the other side of the useful idiot is the whole category of agents of influence or, you know, sort of soft power agents, agents of recruitment. People who act on usually one or two or three steps removed who are still very much acting um, on the Kremlin's behalf but usually in a softer way. Like their job is to identify who might be interested in cooperating with or providing information or access or resources to Russian interests. Like the guy who connected the Russian female lawyer to Jared Kushner. So the female lawyer is a good example of this, where, you know, as a lawyer who has represented Russian state companies, so directly connected to the Kremlin, um, she's not going to pull out her intelligence badge. She's probably not trained intelligence. But her livelihood is dependent upon her connections to the Kremlin. Thus, she is acting on their behalf. If she finds someone useful, she will report back on that. It can be someone like Donald Trump Jr., who is willing to take the meeting and hear what you have to say. So, Molly, very briefly, botnets, active measures, bad actors, advanced persistent threats, psychometrics. I feel super badass spy-like saying all of these words, but I think (laughs) it's kind of dangerous that we use these terms that a lot of people don't know. Absolutely. I mean, at the core of it, information that is fabricated, real, coercively acquired, acquired through hacking, however, is being 
amplified and promulgated through the internet and through social media in particular in new and different ways that are often extremely coercive and in ways that none of us who are being targeted by it really understand. Uh, It's a new way to look at your information environment. It's a new way of being able to evaluate news critically. We need to work on helping people understand what the new information environment looks like so they can still be making the right decisions for themselves and their interests. I think our politicians are very far behind in accepting that these things work the way they do, partially because every political actor in the world believes if they control these tools, they will win every election ever and, uh, you know, they'll never have to campaign again. And um, there is a part of this that's never going to go away because it is, at its core, marketing. But the idea of coercive psychological operations being run against American voters or anywhere else is something that we really need to look at and understand that there are lines that we should not be crossing. Molly McHugh, thank you so much. Happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Okay, it's your November surprise. Spy terms, political jargon, artificial intelligence. Uh, If you missed out on our conversation, the big picture that came out earlier this month, if you missed out on last week's show, which was about a couple other very important spy terms, go back in your feed and... Better yet, you know what? Just subscribe so you can go back and they'll be there. But also because next week, Cambridge Analytica, the company pioneering psychometrics, using them for political gains. We did an expose on them earlier in the year. Next week, we've got an update. You do not want to miss it. If you go online, note to selfradio.org, make sure you sign up for our newsletter. Tens of thousands of people already are signed up. It's pretty good, actually, I, I gotta say. Okay, for now, the Note to Self team is Jen Poyant, Kat Aaron, Megan Cunane, and Joe Plord. Many thanks to Hannes Brown for his beautiful scoring, and to Matt Boynton and Adriana Tapia for their extra help, too. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi. And I don't know how to say goodbye in Russian, but if I did, I would say it here. I'm sitting here actually in a trench coat, um, like, you know, your local CIA agent just here for you.